0: Hi, everyone. Before we get started today, we just wanted to give a big shout out because we just got 1000 subscribers on YouTube in uh, about 10 episodes. So that's great. Um, We're really grateful for you here at HLI um, for listening and watching. Um, If you haven't subscribed yet, please do so. (laughs) Um, And if you're already subscribed, or if you haven't, please share the video. Uh, Be sure to like and um, leave a comment. Thank you so much. We're really grateful. Couldn't do this without you. God bless. Hello, welcome to the Culture of Life podcast from Human Life International. Uh, as ever, I'm Ted Wojcik, the mission research specialist, here with Father shannon Mokay.
1: Good to be with you all, as always, Ted. Yes. Absolutely, Father. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: Here we go. Uh, We're talking about your, uh, a recent article you wrote about um, rediscovering a Christian vision of sex and marriage. Um, And people can find that on the HLI website, of course, as always. Um, But it's really talking about, um, well, actually, how about, Father, you introduce what brought up this topic. And I think we'll maybe you know, there's an impetus, as always, and then kind of shift to church teaching and kind of general topic uh, sure. discussion on the topic. Sure,
1: Ted. It, you know, as always with any of my articles, it, it normally is sparked by something either someone sent me to read or uh, maybe something I've kind of read in the headlines. And, and this is an example of, of one of these uh, situations where, you know, uh, an article comes across, an essay actually, and as I'm reading this essay by Christine Imba, you know, talking about uh, consent, but basically looking at... She's uh, writing about... Uh, sh-
0: and that's in the Washington Post, right? right.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's happening is, is, is she's looking at the situation in, in her age bracket, kind of in people in the you know, younger generation who is confronting you know, a culture where you, you're seeing abuses within sexual relationships and you know, a litany of complications as a result of, of people engaging in, in sexual relationships you know, outside of marriage. And so she's looking at this consent culture in a sense that, you know, people is consent enough. In other words, two people, you know, freely say to each other, I agree to have relations with you. uh, That should be enough. But unfortunately, what's happened is the complications uh, uh, with these relationships continue to unmask. And this is what she's dealing with. Because people are telling her stories of, of difficulties and they're asking questions as she's compiling all this information. And, you know, and especially as people have become more addicted to pornography and how uh, the whole understanding uh, that is being, uh, or the narrative, I should say, that's being promoted by the porno- pornography industry, you know, is further pushing the boundaries of sexual uh, relationships and, you know, from the ideas of uh, uh, how, what, when does something become abusive? You know, when is abuse abuse? When has someone crossed the line? And these are things that she's talking about. And, 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 and people are asking her, you know, is this too much? Have I, what, what more should I be doing? Should I say no? And, and so she's trying to, to kind of resolve this dilemma that she, she sees. And she recognizes a dilemma, which I think is, a, is, is it's interesting. And I think it's a good thing uh, that the question is being asked. I mean, I don't agree with where Christine takes, you know, the the, the the whole conversation, but it allows a conversation to be had because she's raising legitimate questions. And as the Catholic church has always done, it has an answer and it has an answer based in a truth about the human person and about the gift of human sexuality and, and the beauty that God has created in man and woman. So I think it's a great opportunity, Tad, you know, to, to pick something from the headlines. To pick a story and and to really uh, you know hear what people think, and then be able to respond to it, and, and that's what this article does. You know, and, and I, I again, as I said, you know, it's not something I'm agreeing with. When people read the article, you know, hopefully it doesn't give any impression because I, I do mention some some comments of Ms. Imba that I think are, are worthy that she there's insight you know that she brings. It's not complete, you know, it's not not a thorough movement but she does raise very legitimate points and, and they're worth listening to and, and reflecting on. So I'm hoping that those that take time to read my article, you know, will then maybe move toward the essay and, and, and really read it with an open mind, not to agree, not to confirm, not to affirm, but to really understand how many people, what they're thinking today, what's, what's in the general mindset of people who are in their 18 to 30 year olds, particularly, you know, what's happening in that, in that culture today?
0: Right, and it's very interesting because basically it's, uh, just to recap what you were just saying, it's kind of like a a young woman um, questioning the uh, popular wisdom, at least uh, you can put that in quotes, what the current uh, cultural ethic is in, in regards to sexuality. And um, basically saying let's subvert it and not really subvert it overthrow it and 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 have um, kind of this it's, it's you know you start your article with a an analogy that G K Chesterton gave in his uh, my favorite work of his anyway called Orthodoxy where he's talking about a an explorer who is uh, <laughs> le- going away from England in search of new lands and he comes back to uh England after a storm thinking that it's a different place and right. he <laughs> and thinks it's a new his new uh Our territory you know, yeah but it's actually just home and claims um, it for England I right? Mean, they're, right. They're, they are yeah. claims it for England yeah. <laughs> right like the moon or something right. but anyway it seems that that's what um uh Miss Emba is doing as well because she's saying let's have um and you uh you know because you read the article I actually didn't but an ethic of sexuality based on mutual self-gift does she use those words right. even right. um and it's uh it's funny because that's what we've always kind of had right <laughs> so anyway and, and,
1: and we and we'll come to, to that a little bit and discuss that a little bit uh, for our for our listenership but you know it's it's interesting when you think of gk Ch- uh, chesterson and he's he's reflecting he's and even says you know you know i thought i was going to go out and you know create a what he calls a, a brand new heresy In other words, a great new teaching only to come back and find that the very teaching I was rejecting is the very truth I find. And, and, and I think that's, you know, what made me think about Ms. Emba, because I think down deep, what she and many of her uh, inter, the people that she interviewed, mostly young ladies, mostly women, and, you know, it's just, what they're searching for, there's something deep within the, the, the human person that knows that something is good and it knows that something's wrong. And, and what they're sensing is that these behaviors... These deep, and I would call deviant behaviors, because what's happening is the as one of the the quotes in here, and I, again I warn you know uh, the audience, and especially those reading. Them, I mean, I do get a little detailed, and and as you read the essay, it gets a little more detailed. Uh, but the reality is, you have young women that are asking, "Is choking okay during a sexual encounter?" You know, uh, meaning,
0: meaning they're uh, the men are choking, choking them.
1: them, right? Exactly, and so it's and and, and so it, as I point out, I mean, it, they they realize that this is something not right. But you know, but we've given consent. You know, we've given permission. You know, to have an encounter and uh, the sexual experience, and so you know. And, and one young woman asked, you know, is there something wrong with this? Is I, should should I be uh, concerned? And and it's like you know, of course you should, because something within you realizes that there there this is not this is not an expression of love. And that's really where we start getting into some some uh, under, misunderstandings, some confusion, a falsification of of the word love. And I think it's important as we as we talk about this is to return. That's what I really took always take an opportunity in these articles t- to pull back to the church's teaching, to pull back to these principles. And and as I've been doing as of late, I've been bringing a few things um, with us with me. So again, just to introduce our audience uh, to some of the text's some of the church's documents. And, and the one of the first things that I would bring, because as I'm writing the article, I'm thinking of what does the church teach and where do we get these teachings from? And, and most recently, uh, the, uh, the the encyclical that came to mind, of course, and I used for this, is Humanae Vitae.
0: Go ahead and show, show yeah. that a little longer on yeah. the camera. so
1: on, on human life, so by Paul VI. Mm-hmm. And particularly, I'm looking at paragraphs eight, nine, and 10, and so, and, uh, and then I brought a, a book that actually is was a wonderful—it's a wonderful book on the 50th anniversary of Humanae Vitae, and I'm going to read from it. Uh, this is uh, one that I would encourage, you know, uh, everyone to take advantage of. It's a worthwhile text to acquire and to reflect upon what the church's is teaching is concerning homosexuality, conjugal love, marriage. And it, it's it's a great text, and it opens up, you know, with a an understanding, Ted, that helps— us to move to respond to Ms. Emba's questions. You know, she's she's really posing a question here. She's asking, you know, is consent enough? And as she gets down in her article, and I mentioned this, and she mentions, she moves towards a, a, a kind of a, a reference, not kind of, she references St. Thomas, know who talks about mutual self-giving you know this understanding of you know this should this is how it should be right in particular
0: i think his definition of love to will the good of the other which i just thought was so fascinating that that's a very clear indication that grace is working in in her exactly uh, you know just like i did with chesterton and you know however long that would take hopefully she would continue to respond and kind of because this is literally the the angelic doctor right. teaching her, you know. Well,
1: maybe because we are using her name, maybe she'll <laughs> have a chance to listen to this podcast. It might uh-huh. might come up, you know, in her in her own looking, and maybe maybe we'll post something to give her something to think about. And maybe you just did that, Tad. I think it's Perhaps. wonderful. And and so here in, in the very introduction, and the introduction here is written by Archbishop Charles Chaput, you know, mm-hmm. the retired Archbishop of uh, Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and here he he just starts. You know, uh, a few pages into the introduction, by bringing us right back, you know, to the issue. So he starts by talking about the the errors of the sexual revolution. So if we go back to the 1960s, and Tad, you and I have had this conversation in many articles, because th- this is where all these falsifications they didn't just start there. But we found they they, they found a, a kind of a ground to plant their seeds. And so it happened in there? And he and he starts with this: it, it became, you know, rooted in a false false understanding of freedom. A false understanding of autonomy, you know, and, and meaning that, you know, that because I can do something and I'm free to do it, then I should be able to do it. And and, and so when it comes to the whole issue of an expression of a sexual encounter, it, you know, I begin to, to literally dissect, you know, the, the total person that we should be looking at, the human person, you know, made in the image and likeness of God, which is the quote I'm going to read in a few moments. And then just kind of, you know, you dissect that person and you only focus in on emotion and, and the feelings and the biological expression. So you start looking only at the physicality and, and we fail to look at the, the person in their totality, who is, you know, a, 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 a person that's made up of body and spirit, body and soul. And when you start having that dualistic understanding, it, it creates a whole level of problems. That we're now we're seeing that's what we're talking about, and again, Miss Emba's not thinking on that level. But this is where the conversation that G.K. Chesterton would say this is where it should bring her. It, it she's she's searching. She's asking the right questions. She's she uh, maybe not started on the on, on with the right premise, but she's she's searching. She's trying to answer a question. I think it's a it's a great move, and I hope, as you just said, and I hope that you're right, is that because the Spirit of God is always a, a, a moving among mm-hmm. us. And when someone really is sincerely seeking, and I think that reading the essay, I think Ms. Imba is seeking, she's asking, and that maybe she'll continue to search and find the fullness of that truth. So here's what uh, the archbishop said. And he said, going back to Humanae Vitae, he says, stands on a central belief that God made men and women in his image to be made. And this is oftentimes people will ask, well, what does that mean? And I love very simply how the Archbishop answers it. And he says, To be made in God's image speaks of God's desire to love us, his invitation to share in his life, and the inherent gifts that he gives to each man and woman. So if we just start right that, so that God is desires to love us. So this made in his image is a reflection that God has made us for love, and he's made us for himself, and he's made us to be loved. And to love him and to love each other and and so and it's an invitation to share in his life and so so starting with this understanding means all of my actions all that i am is is to fulfill those ends to move toward that and so any deviation of it begins to warp that understanding and and if i treat myself that way that's one thing not a good but if i start treating you that way then i've also you know caused another harm i'm harming you and this is what miss miss is is she's kind of getting underneath but she doesn't yet know how to answer it fully and it, it, sorry Sir, I, I, no. just to,
0: yeah. to 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 it's interesting to me that that kind of strikes at the heart of what you were just uh talking about a, a second ago with this uh kind of the the one governing principle of the relativistic um age is you just as long as it doesn't hurt anyone else right consent in right. any activity that's but especially correct. sexuality but even we're getting to that point where like as is in the article with the choking stuff it's, that's not even being upheld in, in the first place right. but even discarding that what you're saying is at the base of it that attitude of transactionalism already
1: is doing harm to the other that's and correct. to oneself that's correct because it's treating the human person as objectifying uh-huh. And it's very utilitarian. It's very, you know, it's kind of so. It's almost in a way. And I, I don't want to get too too detailed. Uh-huh. But all of a sudden, let's say that I consented to a certain behavior, and something else changes. Do we just pause and then, okay, hold on, let's renew this contract here? I consent only to this this far.
0: And that's what some people have even suggested is Correct.
1: the proper model for the sexual right. ethic. So basically, it's 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 an ever evolving situation. But if we start, and this is what the Archbishop mm-hmm. is not obviously Archbishop's teaching. He's raising the the answer the church and this is what you know is the answer to the sexual revolution It's the answer to all of the uh the great tyrannies that we've seen over the decades and centuries against humanity that it starts with the human person everything starts with an understanding of who the human person is and again it's the inherent gift so these are gifts that are inalienable they they're immutable they're unchangeable they're they're not something that you give to me it's not something i give to myself they are innate they are part of me and and so here if we start in that way and that's what he says so foremost is the capacity to love just like god now there lies the answer to being made in the image and likeness to love like god and so what does that mean well i'll come back to this but you know here in humana itself directly quoting humana the document i'm pointing to sorry you can't see the table (laughs) i apologize in in paragraphs eight and nine paul the sixth goes through what that means so so if we consider, you know, and I'm now going to return back to this because here he's answering that. He says, to be able to be faithful, so look at these words, faithful, trustworthy, merciful, compassionate, and forgiving are just a sampling, and Archbishop says, of the endless list of attributes that reflect when, when we say the image of God. So if we think about what we're talking about, these, when we, when we begin to move away from what God's intention for the human person is and the intention for the goods that the human person is to live. And one of those goods is, is, is love for others, love for my neighbor, love for friends, love for family. And a great top of that pyramid is for those that, who are the majority of our population called to the marital state. A full expression of that love where two people, a man and a woman, you know, give themselves to each other in an exclusive, fruitful a union that is indissoluble. And so that becomes a reflection of God. That very union is a reflection of God. And in that love is trustworthiness, fidelity, kindness, gentleness, compassion, mercy, and self-giving. So which brings us back to Saint Thomas, and and that the very fact that every waking moment that he, she, both think of each other and each other's good and well-being, causing no harm. Which that's what I started the article with, quoting Saint Paul's letter to the you know the Corinthians. And it's true. I mean, and so when we start with that understanding, Ted, it really is simple. It's not that it's not complicated. Mm-hmm. We we complicate it, and that's why you know what the Archbishop does. In this particular text is by starting with the falsification that we see in the in the teachings we we'll call them teachings but teachings of the sexual revolution they're falsifications they, they they falsify the human person and they falsify the goods and one of those goods being human sexuality and for us we know as we we've, we've always taught in our in our history and in our in our faith in our judeo-christian root is that marriage is the only place within marriage is the only place where the sexual expression of man and woman is to be fully expressed that and that's it so so immediately once we take it out of that context and we place it into another context, we redefine it, we falsified it and that's why you know what Miss Imba is raising or I'm again hoping that maybe she she will continue to to if she reads St Thomas. You know, and I have some quotes here from St. Thomas <laughs> in this same book, if we have time. But it, it, it just goes to the heart of what she's quoting. You know that you know that for a husband, you know that only seeks the good of his wife. So he he strives through grace, of course, cooperation with grace, and and recognition of the beauty of the person he is and she is. Does nothing to harm that good. That his all his mind is always striving. For the well-being and and, the, and and the happiness and the joy of the person he loves with all of his heart, with all of his strength, and with all of his being, which for any of our audience who are married, remember the vows they made. They, you know whether they made up their own in some of the other faith traditions, or within the Catholic faith where those vows are are fully expressed. You know to love, to hold, to have until to death do us part. Those speak of the image of God. You know this is a faithful union. It's an indissoluble union. It is a union that is filled with always the good of the other, and to seek that good, then the human love, the conjugal love, the marital love, the marital act that we are talking about here, takes on a richer and fuller meaning, and that is why the church teaches about the beautiful ends of marriage. You know that you no, know, that didn't come up in the essay by any means, but you know as you read the essay, you're realizing, well, this, you know, any act outside of of a marital union. Is not even a, it's not a marital act. It's an act of fornication. It, it, it falsifies the, the beautiful act of human love between a husband and wife. And so that's, that's the part where we, 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 we're not getting. Consent doesn't do that. You know, and so, for example, a husband and wife before they share conjugal intimacy, you know don't ask for consent in the sense of they're not going to sit there and, and say, "Do you consent to A to consent to b What it means is simply is that we've already started you know in a relationship that both have mutual respect, mutual care, mutual love, mutual feeling for each other, and it's unhindered there's no there's no contract here. You know, there's, there's not an, an issue of, you know, does this person really care? No, this person loves because we've committed to that love. And, and that, that faithful love, that trustworthy love, that compassionate love, all that love is wrapped in these acts because they're not a single act. They are, if you want to say, one curtain has been pulled. And it's one act, moving through time, and it unfolds itself time and time again. It unwraps itself and beautifully.
0: And that's what the proclamation of marriage is between a man and a woman, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, while there's so much to talk about here, just, um, but kind of to, to, to recap, I wanted to mention something that you were talking about, It uh, that the Archbishop Archbishop you had written that we're made in the image and likeness of God, meaning we can love like God, that's in fact best expressed in human sexuality in the sense of creation right because right. god is um again saint thomas eternal uh self-gift right between right. the the persons of the trinity right and the generation of the holy spirit through the father um is love of the son right and the mutual mm-hmm. love there it's, it, that's exactly what the human family is. And right. right. that's why the sexual uh, act is never separable from at least the possibility of conception, right? right? Um, not that every sexual act has to have a conception to be valid, but that it must be open to it because it's ordered towards
1: that. Yeah, that's right? correct. And to do anything other, that's why the church is teaching on contraception, makes perfect sense when we understand it in in the heart of what we're talking about. Because to do anything contrary to, to what you just beautifully expressed, you know, referencing St. Thomas, but referencing the church's teaching, means that I have done something contrary to love. I have I've introduced another kind of act that is not the kind of act that marital love is, which is unitive and fruitful, procreative. And, and so this is why the church has been consistent in her teaching, which goes back to, you know, to humani Vitae, when, you know, the, the whole world, the majority of the world were looking for the church to, you know, reject her, her teaching in this regard. And what Paul sixth said, you, you, we can't, because this is the teaching, you know, to do otherwise would be to reject what God has revealed to us. And so today, this conversation that we're having, this is, uh, helps us to better understand you know, why the church teaches about any uh, sexual activity outside of marriage is sinful. Why is it sinful? We've just really, we've explained it. You know, why if I purposely intend and act upon that intention to to block the openness to human life, I have falsified this union. And, and that's why, you know, when people say, well, you know, well, I still love this individual. Well, you, you're you're expressing a sense of love, but you're saying you're you're saying one thing, but you're doing something different, and and so that's what we're talking about here. Now, again, Miss Emba is not talking on this level. She's looking purely at you know, because let's be honest, we have the the mores of sexuality have been un, untied, and you know for for decades now, and you know for, for for you and for myself, which I quote in the article, you know the whole issue of lust. The whole issue of fornication you know and you know those words are not even part of vocabulary today you know people think that basically i should be free you know to act sexually if i so desire and if a person wishes to engage with me in that act and they give their consent there's nothing wrong with that and it's it's based in a feeling it's based in physicality it's based in just a a pure you know expression of emotion you know and so but what we're speaking of is obviously moving that conversation to something which is much more uh, profound in a sense of an understanding of the nature of the human person. And, and that's the part that's not being elevated in the essay. Right. And, and that's the why I picked it up. Because it really does give us a chance. Because the church is often, which the church has got, you know, has got thick skin. She's been, she's been condemned many times over. She's been, you know, told that, you know, she's uh, old age. She's, you know, she's living in the past, you know. But the the church in her teaching is ever fresh, and it's always new in the sense that it's always the beauty and wonder of of, of what God has revealed to us. And if we just stand up and we and we talk about it and we and we express it this is what I love about our Newman centers you know, in the universities, because so many of our young adults come to these universities from so many different backgrounds. Some have already come with different loads of experience, sometimes, you know, uh, many sexual experiences. And they, and they meet these uh, beautiful chaplains and lay leaders, and, and they're introduced, you know, especially on our Catholic universities and, and uh, sometimes not, not Catholic universities. I can think of a number of them where their Newman Centers are just phenomenal. And they bring what we're talking about, Tad, to the surface. And unashamed, in which we shouldn't be we should never be ashamed of what the truth is and i think it's awesome because it's probably the first time they've heard this so uh again what miss imba is doing i mean i imagine uh how many people you know when reading that essay were feeling similar things that she herself is expressing and some of the quotes that she takes from some of these ladies that she's interviewed i imagine many people reading go well i've been in that situation and they're and they're they're reflecting and and what i'm hoping is that, as we said earlier, that the conversation will move. That people will realize, you know, that uh, this is not... There's something wrong here. And, you know, and and as we've seen, because in the narrative today with pornography being so prolific, with so many people actually being addicted to pornography today, there are so many people that are basing their relationships on what they see in pornography. They're acting it out or trying to reenact it. And, And we're seeing a number of abuses that are coming from that within marriages and and non-marital relationships and 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 so now it's a matter of we have to keep pushing the conversation and and so my little article is just that one little stab in the ground Uh, but i know that i'm not alone i mean i know a number of people who are, are picking stories up like this and writing about it talking about it uh it's a to me it's a great opportunity on some of the, the, the Newman Centers. This would be a great a great article to to raise up on some of their, their, their catechism courses and their and their classes and talk or, about
0: or even to promote in uh secular classes or Absolutely. just talk about, hey, this is this is the Washington right. Post, you know, right. it's this is not and it's not an explicitly it's referencing St. Thomas, but it's not right. advancing the Christian ethic, at least not all the way. Right. Um but let's talk about that actually father because i wanted to kind of just uh maybe rehash this a little bit or transition because mm-hmm. i think we discussed some of this but just kind of maybe more explicitly now talk about how um people like miss emba are calling for a mutual self-gift in 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 sexuality uh, a a new quote new sexual ethic that that is based on that uh concept um, rather than just consent or, you know, but I don't think that there, I mean, in as much as that's Christian tradition and the teaching of the church, that's not new. But I don't think that's quite, people aren't going to be ready to go there yet. So I wanted to kind of address this uh, question of, that a lot of people have. Well, we can still have this mutual self-gift ideal while including all the other things that the sexual revolution people would say has gifted us with, like mm-hmm. fornication, they would say just premarital sex, or kind of a looser attitude towards sexuality. Homosexuality in particular, I think right. people talk about, and right. other kinds of, uh, you know, sexual uh, deviations.
1: Well, I think we were talking about, again, Tadish, those are the attempts at redefining you know mm-hmm. that, and so just even to make reference you know to some other kinds of relationships so so as i mentioned earlier so the the, the because we are made in the image and likeness of god and that we're made to live in that love and to express that love in in, in in that image which we have been made so we have friendships we have family relationships we have kindness that we show toward each other there's many ways to express you know that love that care that concern Uh, that mutual uh, desire for the good of another human being, but it is fully and completely, it finds its end, it finds its fulfillment in living in accord in which how God has created. And so when we consider the fact that man and woman, which he has made, man and woman, and only within that kind of relationship in the marital bond between man and woman can this love be fully expressed in the sexual union, Conjugal love, the conjugal act, and that the, the the ends can be can be fulfilled and actualized. The union of husband and wife, man and woman, and the the openness always in transmission of human life. And so, when we speak about other kinds of relationships, you know that that are happening in our culture today, you know uh, those are attempts, you know, to redefine what god himself has created so so to do that you know creates you know for example you mentioned the issue of two of, of a homosexual union well that relationship in and of itself cannot fulfill the very very way that god has made man and woman and the very way in which human sexuality expresses that likeness and image of god because why Well, just on its face value it can never be fruitful it can never be procreative. it cannot do through a natural means, okay? We see today, and, and as we've talked about on other occasions, we have in our technology, our science industry, our technology industry, we can help, you know, couples, uh, same-sex uh, individuals to acquire, you know, a child, but it can never be created in the sense of co-created in the natural bond, you know, of a sexual union between a man and a woman. And, so, and
0: in those cases still you need uh you know, if it's... If it's two men who want a child, they still need someone's egg from somewhere. Exactly, right? Some woman's so, egg.
1: So what we're doing there is so. It, so it's important is the to really be able to distinguish between you know as we as we, the relationship that we're speaking of in this situation is that which God has created in in the in the, in the union of man and woman and what we call the marital bond. That's the relationship we're speaking about here, and then. What we're also talking about with Ms Imba is bringing up is the fact that we're not even she 's not even talking about the marital bond here she's not that's not what she 's referencing. you know the whole article is really based on non marital relationships that, that
0: probably yeah right. right i mean she's that's that was kind of what I was getting at right. is there's st- even more than homosexuality I think there's still going to be this try this right. attempt to recoup losses and say, okay, but we can still have right. you know." Live
1: in boyfriends or whatever. Right. But... but but you think about those relationships, you know and even the most well intended, so let's go back to those words that Archbishop Chaput is mentioning. So we, we're looking at fidelity, a faithfulness, an indissolubility, indis, an, an indissoluble relationship. So in any of the relationship we're talking about, let's get, now let's get out of the divorce mentality. Okay? Mm-hmm. That's been that's been a very, unfortunately a fruit of the sexual revolution. And so divorces is, is caused great harm you know, to families and to individuals.
0: In some ways it might have been the, the precipitator of the, uh, you know, people talk about the pill in the 60s, well, right. maybe the original thing was actually legalization of no-fault divorce in the 30s in the US.
1: But if you think, but you think about what that means, so we've taken that which is meant to be indissoluble and we've now made it dissoluble. So what's happened here? So we've changed something. We've changed the, 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 what God has created in the marital bond between husband, man and woman. And so in so, what happens in these non-marital relationships, as well-intended as they may be, as long, maybe sometimes decades long, there's never a moment when that person can't walk out. That person can leave. The, you know, so what keeps them there? What, what is it? So the, the question here that we want to pose is, in that marital union between man and woman, both in the, in the expression of their vows, their commitment to each other, they are fulfilling and actualizing you know, the very image and likeness that they had been made to live. And that is that to live that faithful union, to live that, that relationship until death do them part, to reflect that this is a union that is, is, is a bond forever, for my lifetime, and that every day and every moment of my life is dedicated to live for the good and well-being of that individual and and so to to do that and it, it doesn't mean that other people can't express those kinds of things and they do i mean but it is never going to reach its completion and it's uh, for what it's intended because of what the, because we keep we, we've redefined it we've made it into our own image you know kind of our own conditions trying to fit a, a,
0: what is it a square peg through a round hole right
1: right and I, and i i mean having been you know a priest now 29 years you know i've i've been with many couples in different times of their lives. That's
0: that's funny, Father, because I, I was going to play devil's advocate and say, "Hey, Father, you're a priest. What do you know about right.
1: this?" But you know, you, you you listen to people. You 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 hear their stories. You you their dilemmas in life, and uh, many times, you know, the uh, all these things can find resolution if we live in accord in the way that God has made us and made, and what He's made us for. And so, when every time we attempt to to reorient, you know, and kind of change, you know, the, what God has created, we 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 always end up in a very bad situation, and 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 it builds on other bad situations, and it, it just escalates and escalates. And the one thing that I and I've seen, you know, with this beautiful understanding of marriage, is you know when you when you meet couples of, of forty years and fifty years and sixty years and so forth, and you, and you begin to you know to to know and to listen to their journey. And, and how all these words that we're talking, these are words, right? And these are the ways that we try to express what revelation has, has revealed to us about the nature of God and, and our understanding of God and how God has revealed that to us, you know, and, and, and what I have come to know about the human person in, in relationship to, it, to our creator. And so, and you see it in marriage, you, you, you really come face to face with it. Because you come face to face with these words, and they're not words any longer. They're lived. They're, they're, they're f- uh, fully expressed in, in the gentle love and the caring love and the passionate love and, and, the, and the, the beauty of, of caring for another human being and living for the good of that person and seeking their well-being in every manner and sacrificing for that good and, and, and making the necessary sacrifices for the good of the family and and to be there, and, and no one is thinking nor should be thinking you know will they be here tomorrow you know the, it's understood I'm here until death do us part. And and that not a not from a ball and chain kind of mentality. It's I'm here because I love you and I'm here through it all. And we're gonna grow together. We're gonna mature together. We're gonna we're gonna make mistakes together and we're gonna heal together. It's all the way through. There's never an out. And 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 that sounds to our to our secular ear, well, you know, that kind of hinges on my freedom. It kind of prevents me from, you know, maybe I just don't like this anymore. I want to try something new. But when we hear the language it, it, it pushes us in a, in a direction to see the good and to see the potential of how that good can shape our lives and shape our culture and shape our understanding. And, and, and I think we've, we've, we've definitely, our ears have become deaf to that. And it's obvious that Miss Imba is, sees it, I mean, from what her interviews are showing her. And if we just read the data, that is out there from all the various surveys and the various studies and the various, you know, even from the secular side of the equation, people are suffering, they're struggling, and they're, and they're enduring some great difficulties in this so-called sexual revolution. And, and so what she's elevating is an opportunity for us, Tad, to to have an honest conversation. Something is wrong, something is right. And basically, you know, just rewriting a sexual ethic you know, you know, trying to create another language, another way is not going to resolve it, you know, because people are going to still look for, you know, again, what's that edge? How far can I get? What's the bare minimum I need to do? You know, how, so it, it's, but in this situation, there's never a bare minimum, you know, mm-hmm. for, for a husband and wife, and even for you and myself, Tad, neither one of us are married. All right. And so I'm called to that kind of love too which goes a little bit to what you were talking about. Yeah. And, and, and the idea is that the love that I am to give toward others is the same, is, it, but it's expressed differently. And, and, well, well,
0: I would say, pro- actually, it's greater. In fact, your vocation is higher.
1: Right, but, but what, I'm, what I'm saying is yeah. that the idea, the call the to love, nature of the, the love, faithfulness yeah. of that love, the compassionate, the mm-hmm. mercy, the tenderness, the the concern for another human being, that's, that should be in all of us, you know, which is a universal command of love. Right. And so, but we see it fully, so beautifully expressed and, you know, in marital love. And in there, you, you see it in, in, in how, like, like a, uh, just the aging through time and how that love just grows. And it's meant to grow. You know, uh, the, uh, Pope Benedict Sixteenth used to say that the heart is meant to be stretched. And it is. And you see it in, in mar- marital love. You see it in individual love. You see it in friendships. But, you know, it's. But you it, it, again, it it has a boundary, you know, that, that the way that I can express love to the human being has a limitation, you know, to it. By its very nature, I'm not married. I'm not called to express myself in that manner. But an act of charity, an act of kindness, well, yes, I'm called to that same level of love, you know, to care for my neighbor, to, to be concerned about the well-being of my neighbor. Absolutely. But in the sense of what we see within marriage has it can only be celebrated within marriage and 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 that's the that's the conversation that is not being you know advanced and and that's why i wrote the article you know most of our readership uh, at hli is going to be obviously have this understanding but i just don't write to our own audience you know this gets picked up by other people and many other people share it with their family and their friends and it's a chance to have a conversation and what i'm hoping is that's what it'll do It'll spark a conversation because, I mean, give me an example, Ted. When I was still in parish ministry and I would do homebound, visit the sick and dying in my parish, many times in the hospitals, nursing facilities, uh, in the people's homes, you're going to meet uh, uh, people at different stages of life. And a lot of times, especially dealing with some of the older parishioners, these were uh, men and women married many years you know, and maybe uh, still married, maybe their spouse is still with them, you know, they're 60 years, 50 years. I'm, longest married couple I've known is 75 years. I've known uh, mm-hmm. a number of couples married that long, but you meet their family. And what you'll meet is sometimes people who are cohabitating, you know, they, uh, they're they not living in the light of the gospel. In, in this. And, and And so, but there's your chance. There's the opportunity, you know, in those little moments, you know, to spark a conversation. And and never to be be, be afraid. You pick your moment. You use good prudence, you know. And uh, and so, but you, I, I've had many successful stories in those encounters to, to help people to see a richer picture, to see something greater. And especially when they come and, and let's say they're they're living, they're cohabitating, and uh, and and so and, and they say, you know, we're having problems, we're struggling, and, and there's your moment to start talking about these beautiful understandings that the church advances and 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 to and to look at them. You know, they're 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 inquisitive. They sometimes they've never heard it. Then no one's ever spoken to them about it. No one's ever told them what they're doing is not good. And like you said earlier, it's not a question of, of love. It's obvious that they care for each other. They are sincere for the good of each other. They mean that and they want to see that grow. Uh, but the, but the love has, has reached a part where there's something that's, that's causing it to be unable to move further. And there is that moment to say to someone, let me help you understand why. And you watch most, not always, because sometimes they just, they're just they not ready for it. But a good many of them are, and they look at you, they, and, and they want to know why. What can I do more? And when you do that, it gives them an opportunity to grow. And all of a sudden, for that love to become something that they they want, they didn't think was possible, and 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 that's why these kinds of moments, you know, for us is so important. For me, it's never about just writing this for the sake of writing an article. It's always with the intent of of helping myself grow, you know, in in a greater knowledge and appreciation of what the, what the Lord has revealed to us through His Church and through the teachings of our bishops and 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 in the Catholic moral tradition, but also. You know that uh, I never know. This this one article may touch that one individual in such a way that that moves them in a new direction and gives them a chance to think of something they hadn't thought about before. And and and, and that is it's worth you know the time and energy put in put into them. And and I, I I'm I'm hoping that you know people who were reading the Washington Post, reading Miss Inva's article, you know, and you know, kind of saying, yeah, I've I've been here, I you know are also gonna be able to say, but she doesn't answer it. You know, if you notice, uh, if you get a chance you read it, she talks about a new ethic, but she doesn't really explain, you know, what that means. She uses the the phrase, phrase of St. Thomas, but it doesn't develop. So maybe there'll be a sequel, you know, and I'll be interested to see that happens, because that'll give a chance to to see where she takes it. You know, will she go in search of St. Thomas, you know, and really read what St. Thomas says? And if she does, then a decision has to be made. She'll have to identify that there's something that needs to change. And really what needs to change is an understanding of the human person, an understanding of human sexuality, an understanding of where that gift of self-giving which is the most intimate of relationships, which is in the sexual act between husband and wife, a very intimate, very personal uh, relationship, a very life-giving, a very fruitful, a very, uh, uh, it it, it unites in in ways that outside of that cannot do. And and I'm hoping that's what she'll search for. And if she does, then maybe her next article will sound like our podcast. (laughs) That would be great. Um,
0: Let's pray for that. Anyway, it, uh, with that said, um, there's a lot more we could say, but we'll just uh, close out there. Um, and, uh, yeah, thank you, Father, for for bringing up. Um, maybe we can just show our viewers one more time both uh, sure. Humanae Vitae and, and the Humanae 50 years later. This is a reflection on, on the document, and I'll just hold up Humanae Vitae itself, um, uh, originally promulgated in 1968 by St. Pope Saint Paul the Sixth. Um, so anyway, thank you, thanks to all our um, listeners for uh, tuning in, um, watching us on YouTube, listening to us on Amazon, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, um, other platforms. Um, we're really grateful. Please like, subscribe, share, spread the word, and uh, keep on living the culture of life. God bless.